All right, welcome everyone to the Being Church podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Elisa. And I'm Father Matthew. And happy Lent. Welcome to Lent. That's right. Welcome. We are, uh, this is the first episode of our series, our Lenten series with Father Matthew. Uh, things went so well for Advent, we decided to, to do it again. Do it yeah. liturgically. I, I'm actually pretty excited about this, even though like it's Lenten time. And I know like, you know, I don't know, traditionally there's this like, well, you're not supposed to be happy. Sad. Or, this, is, this is what Lent is, is all about. You know, you're supposed to be the sour faced saints. Or, right. Pope Francis wouldn't like that. No, no, I don't think so. I, well, and this is something that I've noticed about Lent. The more I've reflected on it is that we often treat Lent as if Lent was about Lent. Like, you know, well, what are you giving up? And, and, and you, you're supposed to be kind of, you know, sad about that. But the Lent was always meant to be this period of preparation to get us ready to celebrate Holy Week and then Resurrection at Easter. Right. It's got, it points beyond itself. Right. Yeah. So as soon as it becomes self, self-referential, mm. it, it, it does take on this character of, I don't know, sadness. Of- right. And, and for me, as a cradle Catholic, I, it has always been two very separate se- Like, it is Lent, and it is hard, and then you get to Easter. And when we were prepping for this, and you said, you know, you don't do Lent just for the sake of Lent, it, it was really – I heard you really loud and clear because that's how I do Advent. Advent – is for, for my soul, Advent is always for the purpose of embracing and loving Christmas the right way. And so when you said that, I I almost felt like you were giving, as a pastor, giving me permission (laughs) to use Lent to prepare my heart Mm. for for a beautiful Easter. Right, right. Because, you know, maybe maybe two images here. One, you know, the idea that we give up something during Lent and that it becomes its own self-sustained thing. No, the whole point is you're giving something up. You're doing some sort of sacrifice so that you can more fully enter into the life of Easter, right? That's the goal here. And and yeah. so maybe the, the second image that really ties this together, I, when I think of Lent <clears throat> now, I, I really try to think of it as like preseason training. Right, yeah. You got to get your sprints in. You got to do all your work. It's is it sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. But you're not just picking any random sacrifice. You're picking something that's, no, I'm, I'm training. I'm training. Why? Because when the season begins, I want to be at top peak performance. And that's what it is. When, when Easter gets here, I want to be at top peak performance so I can once more go out there and be able to bring that Easter life into the world. Which is really important because sometimes... All the time. When we're in Easter, well, I forget it's Easter. And so I go back to church <laughs> yes, on exactly. Sunday. Right. It's just, it, it, we get so lenty that we forget about Easter. Well, it's exhausting. Like, it's you do like, 40 days. And it's like Easter's the point. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You do the 40 days and then you forget that Easter's 50 days. And you're right, all like yeah. worn out by the 50 days. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did that big we season. Remember, well, we just did that season. Well, and church workers in particular were like, thank God. <laughs> It's over. Easter is a time for sleep. But but (laughs) the thing is, when you twist that mindset and you say, well, no, I'm choosing things that are going to put me at peak performance. Well, then you're not choosing things that are self-referential. They're getting you hyped and excited for the new life of Easter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say Mm -hmm. that this will probably be the most different Lent 
of my life. Just from, just from that aspect, mm-hmm. it's going to be so different than any other lens, the way I approach it. I agree. And that's why we're doing these podcast right. episodes. That's why we're, you'll notice that the themes of these upcoming podcasts are all things that happen during Holy Week and then into Easter. Um, and we're doing this so that, uh, all throughout Lent, we can think about this transition of Holy Week from, where we're headed from yeah. death to life, mm-hmm. um, so that we can prepare ourselves to have a meaningful and purposeful Easter. Amen. The, uh, the best Easter you've ever had to put it in a Matthew Kelly. Sort right. Of phrase. <laughs> so today we're talking about, uh, the entrance into Jerusalem, the beginning of Holy Week, mm-hmm. Palm Sunday, so to speak. Um, and so informing our discussions is Pope Benedict's Holy Week. Uh, book. We talked, we used his infancy narratives book to inform our Advent discussion and we really enjoyed that. So, uh, that's what we're using, uh, and also scripture. But today we're talking about the entrance into Jerusalem. So, Father Matthew, would you be able to give us some background, um, some Old Testament, uh, importance and then, uh, bring it into the New Testament and the current day? Yeah. So the whole thing. Entrance into Jerusalem. This is a pivot point. Mm-hmm. This is. Um, because there's a message that is embedded in the actions of Jesus in going into Jerusalem, the way he enters into Jerusalem, and what he does immediately afterwards, mm-hmm. the cleansing of the temple. So when we when we consider this, um, it's again, it's a message that he's there's a sim, there's a symbolic message, an acted out embodiment of of a message that's happening here. So for this, we need a little bit of history. Uh, kind yeah. of go back into this. Hit us. So, um, let's go back into the history of God's people. And there's a, there's a period where, uh, God's people have been sent into exile, right? And the temple has been destroyed. Now, this is after a long series of prophets have spoken to God's people and said to them, listen, repent, change your ways. What you're doing, you're going to kill yourselves. You're going to destroy yourselves because you're not acting as God has asked you to. You're acting according to, uh, you know, the ways of the idols and the ways of the other nations. You're going to be destroyed. They don't listen. And so they are. They're destroyed. They're, they're sent off into exile. The city is destroyed. The walls are torn down. The temple is destroyed. Yeah. The center right? of life and activity. And yeah. And the place where God people. was supposed to meet with his people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so all of this has happened, and, and part of the prophetic messages that are happening around this is also to say that, you know, when the people were ignoring God and their commandment and their covenants with God, uh, you know, you see these prophetic visions of them saying, God has left the temple. He, he's, even before, like, the destruction of it, right? God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, left, gone, no longer there, right? And... And so now the people are in exile and they're realizing, oh, whoops, oops, yes. We did this. <laughs> as, as, yeah. as is often the case yeah. where we, we, we often end up having drive ourselves into the ground before we say, oops, oh, right. Maybe I should have been following so God's commands. Right. <laughs> right, right. So, but there's always this promise, right? This is the latter part of the prophetic tradition tells us that the, the prophets were saying, well, God will return. God will come again. Uh, there will be this, this new period in which God will once more establish his people. A lot of this is from Isaiah. And these are actually Isaiah texts that we have, uh, we more associate with Advent. Yeah. And yeah. with Christmas, yeah. right? The coming of the, 
of the Christ child, the coming of God. Yeah. Right. God is going to come back into the world, right? Uh, the mountains will be made low and the hills will be filled up and the, and the crooked ways are going to be made straight mm-hmm. because God is coming. There's a day when God is coming. We often identify this with Christmas, but actually there's a powerful way in which we identify this with specifically mm-hmm. Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. So that's the these Old Testament uh, realities. And we'll make a note about this a little bit more as we talk directly about his entrance and the specific way that he enters in, because this is also referring back to and fulfilling prophecies yeah. from the Old Testament. Um, but in a more immediate history, there's also uh, another layer of preparation that's happening in this. Because if you look through the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, especially Matthew and Mark, these are the ones that make it the clearest. You can actually read through each of them and the first half of their gospels. And it's almost exactly the midpoint, by the way. It's, it's a very deliberate literary device yeah. here yeah. to put it directly at the middle. The first half of it, everybody is asking the question, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Who is Jesus? And G- there's always this kind of secret where Jesus is like, he'll do something and then he'll, but he won't let the demons say who he is or, or he'll say, well, don't talk about this, right? There's this secret about who Jesus is. Yeah, and yeah. finally, at this midpoint, Jesus pulls his disciples off to the side and he, he, he looks at them and he says, listen, guys, who do you think I am? Who do you think that I am? And eventually through St. Peter, speaking on behalf of them, he says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, you're right. Immediately, immediately after that, Jesus begins for the first time, begins to say, okay, we're heading to Jerusalem. Hmm. We're going to Jerusalem now. So this is the beginning of the big reveal to the people, to the city of Jerusalem. This is So when he says, when the apostles now get it, who am I? You're the Messiah, right? He says, we're going to Jerusalem. Why? Because going to Jerusalem is the answer to the question, who am I? Mm. Who do the people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Hmm. So this is revealing Jesus's own identity as Messiah. That's this other layer of, so you have the centuries of preparation leading up to, you know, God will return. There's going to be this day when God is going to come back to his people. You know, the, they're on the, they're on the, the walls looking out and, and, the, and they're saying, the watchmen are saying, you know, behold, God is coming, right? Yeah, yeah. And every break into song, O Zion. And then now we also have this, you know, who is Jesus? Nobody knows. Everybody's asking these questions. The apostles, they start to get this glimmer of it. Mm. And Jesus says, this, the answer to this question is, we're going to Jerusalem. Why do you think he waited until they got it? The indication is, and this is true, not just like they have some intimation that this is who he is, the Messiah and so sure, forth. But yeah. there's also this confusion, like, well, what does it mean to be Messiah? Sure. Right. What does it, what is this, you know, if this is the coming of God and establishing his kingdom and establishing the new king, the Messiah, because those are largely interchangeable terms mm-hmm. that the new king the Davidic king and the Messiah are largely interchangeable terms. They, they were seen to be the same thing, or at least in some strains of Jewish thought. So, um, so he's, he's, he's prepping them to be able to say they get, they get it. 
mm-hmm. but they don't totally get it. Sure. But sure. also, didn't people expect like a military? I mean, did he not? Did he not fit the mo really right off the bat? Really, with the way that he was going about yeah. doing ministry? Oh yeah, right, exactly. And that's and that's precisely the point of the specific entrance that he makes. Mm-hmm. You know, we make a big fuss about the fact that. Um, you know, he comes in, like, what are the iconic things about Palm Sunday, right? You know, there's, uh, well, there's the palm branches. There's the palms, there's the crowds, there's the donkey. Right. And there you go, right? So the, the donkey, this is a, um, a Zechariah, uh, prophetic message of saying, when God comes, he will come not on a war horse, not with a chariot, not in a military parade. But he will come humbly on the back of a donkey, mm-hmm. which is this represent. You, you never take a donkey out to war, right? right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, That'd be hilarious. I mean, we don't ride him into war now, but yeah, even right. I know you wouldn't take a donkey. Right? You know, that's war. that's not what this is, right? So this is a this is a message of a king who's coming in peace, yeah, not in war, and. You know, you could see the the big crowds of people, but who are the crowds of people? They're the ones who are cutting down palm branches to lay down mm-hmm. their, you know, in their coats and so forth like this. You know, this isn't some fancy military parade where there's, you know, it's going to be the, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate showing up and they're going to have, you know, paid people to come and cheer for him and throw flowers out before yeah. him and stuff like that. This is the people of God. This right. is this is the poor. This is the, um, these are the, in fact, these are the pilgrims. Uh, coming in from, uh, from you know, out of town, right? Right. They're not. Right. They're not so much the Jerusalem people. The Jerusalem people are actually pretty freaked out when Jesus. Yeah, shows they have up. no idea. So that was one of the things that I told you that I was most shocked about is that growing up, it was always this idea that uh, here we have Palm Sunday where the crowd is welcoming Jesus, and then. Just a week later, the crowd is crucifying him, and Pope Benedict says, "No, no, no. The people that all those who were praising him were people that were actually with him or drawn into his ministry beforehand. These are not the same crowds that we're talking about here. Right. These this would have been largely um, well. I mean, he worked up in the north. Jesus worked up in north in Galilee, so many of right. the Galileans were pilgrims coming in, and they already knew who Jesus was. And so, so here's Jesus." What's he doing? He's showing up as the peaceful king. He's showing up with God's people, right? The poor, not the ones who fancy. They're cutting down branches to be able to lay it down. The palms, right? right? right. You know, it's very um, and uh, and and when they show up, what are they shouting? Right? Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, David's the king, which means that this son of David means the Messiah, right? So this is all pointing towards at least a preliminary answer to the question, who is this guy? Hmm. See, we could say Jesus, he's Christ, he's the son of the God, son of God, he's the second person to the Holy Trinity. I mean, they have no categories like this. Right. I I was just, while you're talking, I'm thinking like, who's the first person to realize it? And like, I don't know, like cutting down, like just how... Thinking how the crowd just ramped up and did this. Like, was it 15 people? Was it 50 people? Was it five? Just thinking, putting myself there. It's like, how did this happen? That's just me thinking through. Or even like you said, just the realization of, like, I can imagine that it's just this slow. Yeah, one one lady realizes Right, like, 
Like and she oh, yells Hosanna, and people are like, what? And then they see Jesus, and they're like, I don't like, know. No, the son of David. Right, what? right. Whoa, yes. Right, like, yeah. You know, and, and there's been a, for some time, Jesus has been doing ministry, and the people mm-hmm. have been, there have been crowds of people following around him. Now there's these crowds of people, many of them pilgrims from the north that had come in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're all saying, yeah, this is the guy. This is the one yeah. that's going to be the Messiah. And Jesus doesn't tell them no. Right. Well, actually, in the scripture, doesn't someone, the Pharisees rebuke him while he's on the donkey. They're like, tell your disciples to be quiet. Yeah, actually, well, to be to be clear, it's the um, it's the Sadducees. The Sadducees, okay. Right, okay. and the difference is the Sadducees would have been roughly equivalent to the Jerusalem aristocracy. Okay, mm, gotcha. Okay. So, you know, all of these rabble, you know, coming in from the north, ugh, the country people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then there's these, you know, these sort of city elites, you know, up on the, up on the Zion Hill, right? Um, and there's all these masses of people coming in and they're all shouting about how this is now the son of David, right? Mm -hmm. And what do you know? There's a Roman garrison sitting inside of Jerusalem, hanging out just in case of what? In case anybody starts getting any revolutionary ideas. Right. In case of an uprising. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all the Sadducees are sitting here going, oh, no, this is the nightmare scenario. Why? No. This is going to ruin our week. This is going to ruin (laughs) the celebrations, everything we planned. Everything we had planned. And then to make it worse, and I I do want to bring this in, although this is a slightly uh, uh, adding on to the the actual entrance in Jerusalem. It's very clear in the uh, Synoptic Gospels that... You know, what basically the thing that Jesus does is when he gets into the city is that he does what we call the cleansing of the temple, Mm -hmm. right? But these two stories are very much connected. He shows up and he says, uh, he, he, he throws out all the money changers, right? He pushes out, stop making my, my father's house into a den of thieves. Mm -hmm. He goes and he, he shuts down the temple. Now, this has actually been done once before by one of the prophets. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is an established sort of, thing that a prophet would do as an as a symbolic message because the symbolic message was not just that oh you guys are being you know wrong for trying to sell things in the temple there's that there's that too but he's also walking in and saying listen do you see how this temple is now no longer functioning as a temple because i've shut it down right god is going to shut down your temple hmm. because of what is happening, the corruption that is happening here in Jerusalem. And what's more, because Jesus says God is going to be able to bring about his new temple. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's more, but but I think this would be at least enough to get us a, a, a sense of the like impact and the weight, both in the God's people, but also in Jesus's own life and ministry. Like yeah. everything is now coming up to this point. Um, and, and from the perspective of the apostles, just, just maybe one last point here of going through with it. Um, John's gospel, uh, when, when Jesus, uh, says, starts saying, well, we're going up to Jerusalem. I think it's Thomas, the apostle who, uh, who just sort of says, there's just this like one line where he says, well, let's go up to Jerusalem and die with him. <laughs> I've never known a, na- a guy named Thomas to be negative. No. I've never. <laughs> Never. It just, you know, it's, 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 so there's, there's very much this like anticipation that this is going to be the like, well, this is the make, end. Like, <laughs> this is it. Like, we have committed. You, you, after yeah. this, there's no turning back. It can't be the same. No. It yeah. Can't. He's yeah. now, cl- he's now accepted the title of the son of David, the Messiah, 
the one who has the authority to say when the temple is going to be operating or not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then he tells them, tear down the temple, and in three days it will be rebuilt. And then he prophesies that the temple indeed will be torn down. Mm-hmm. But then he also has this prophecy about on the third day the temple will be rebuilt, talking about the temple of his own body. But they don't, you know, the majority right. of the people they're not getting the connection. But but yeah, this is this is committed. There is no backing out at yeah. this point. Yeah. So this is the culmination of ages and ages and ages of mm-hmm. of prophecy mm-hmm. coming to to pass. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine what it was like to be there and well, to try to process well, right. that. To, these these faithful Jewish people to have all this context because they didn't have context of Jesus as you know the Son of God. They they didn't know all this stuff, but they had the context of the Old Testament. Right. Right. They had all of this Old Testament in their minds. So when they mm-hmm. see this man riding on a donkey, so what it, it clicks. Be- it clicks for them and they they know it's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. To me. So that's- would it be like us if like Jesus were to come again, that we would have all this like we Catholics, we would have all this background schema, you know, and we're we like, so. oh, yeah. it's <laughs> like click 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 click, you know, is mm-hmm. that what it was like? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You hope you recognize him. So, <laughs> so Benedict says this. He says, in the Hosanna acclamation, then, we find an expression of the complex emotions of the pilgrims accompanying Jesus and of his disciples. Joyful praise of God at the moment of the processional entry, hope that the hour of the Messiah had arrived, and at the same time, a prayer that the Davidic kingship and hence God's kingship over Israel would be reestablished. So there's like, there's joy so, happening, yeah. there's hope, there's this prayer that yeah, this is yeah. it. This is it. And There's I wonder. A lot tied up in there. I wonder when I was reading that, I, w- I was wondering what in Lent, what of those three things I can be kind of meditating on in anticipation for Easter. What? Joy I as know. part of Lent? Definitely can't think about joy. No, no. I can't think about yeah, joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, I, were, can I get in the they? prayer? Joy, joy hope, hope and what? So yeah, he says, he says joyful praise. And uh, hope that the Messiah has arrived and then prayer over uh, the kingship. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in their place, you know, all these years later and, and trying to figure out what that means for me in preparing an, a very intentional Lent for a joyful mm-hmm. Easter. Yeah. Well, does it just have to be one thing? I mean, can't it be all those things? Absolutely. Because if you, I mean, if you saw Christ coming again, you would have all of those emotions and all of those thoughts, like all of your hopes, you know, even the hopes that you couldn't hope are realized, all the joy of your heart of seeing your God, like all those things together. Um, I think the challenge would be to find those during right. Lent because we are often, so often, so, you know, it is prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and those are good things to do. Um, but we do those things so that we can find joy, hope, and, and even deeper prayer. So maybe it's just for me identifying some things that I need to kind of clear out so that I can meditate properly on where I'm headed, you know. Yeah. Um you know, maybe one way to to consider this, it's the difference between um suffering and sacrifice. I, I think these are worthwhile yeah, that's, two different. Yeah, those are good See, distinctions. Suffering right is mm-hmm. simply saying I'm enduring some sort of pain. Well, okay. And I think sometimes that's the trap we fall into during Lent is that we just say, well, as long as I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm mildly miserable, like that I'm having a good Lent. Right. But see, this is the difference. Sac- suffering is just sort of the brute fact of 
pain, discomfort, or misery. Sacrifice is different. Sacrifice is the preseason training, right? Right. Sacrifice is I'm doing the sprints. I'm doing the – I don't know anything about sports. That's as far as I can That's good. That was a really good analogy. Um, <laughs> you only know sprints because I said it earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so – you know, or, or, you there's know, purpose to it. Though. Right. There's, there's a purpose to yeah. it. You know, right. I, I, so for me, it's academic work, sure, right? Sure. So, you know, when I was in school and stuff like that, it's like you prep and you prep and you prep to get ready for the test or you're writing your paper or whatever like this. There's sacrifice that's involved. It's late nights and it's, you know, and it's early mornings and it's, and it's giving up on things that you'd prefer to be doing to, to hit the books. Right. Now, but is that miserable? I don't think so. I mean, it can be hard Mm -hmm. but when you're working towards a goal you don't see it as miserable there's a sense of hope there's a sense of anticipation and a sort of joy yeah if it doesn't come to fruition if there's nothing that comes from it i think it's more uh yeah i can't think of the word right now but it is more miserable it's just just dumb suffering you're just doing it for the sake of dumb pain but sacrifice is different Mm -hmm. right and here's the thing we can we can the lent is pointing us towards Sacrifice, because that's 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 the Christian understanding, yeah. right? Like, take up your cross, because the cross leads to the resurrection. Yeah, don't just go through life and say, "Well, you know, happens," and then you know you just sort of dumbly deal with it. No, mm-hmm. you you reach out and grab the sacrifice that God has laid before you yeah. for the hope and the joy of uh, the resurrection that will come afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like thinking about this sto- this scene of Jesus entering Jerusalem. Benedict calls it the beginning of his ascent. Yes. Right. He's revealed that. himself and now he's ascending. Right. Mm-hmm. And People's, he said it was quite literally an ascent because he was down yeah. at sea level it's and the, it's, it, yeah, yeah. it's going up to, to the, the hill, uh-huh. but also like beyond Jerusalem to his cross where he'll be lifted up. And then it makes me think of, uh, oh gosh, Philippians, right? Mm-hmm. That passage from Philippians where, uh, Paul paints this kind of parabola, this U shape. He's like, God became man and he died so that God could glorify him and he could reign forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's so like Jesus down come upper. down into the earth, up into heaven. And so this is the beginning of this ascent into heaven. And it's for that purpose that we mm-hmm. offer our sufferings. Really, that's what sacrifice is. Right. It's saying, I'm suffering right now, but I'm offering this in some way, right. some mysterious way. Well, you know, for the salvation so, so of my if soul. I'm, if I am fasting, mm-hmm. right. Do not let your fasting simply be dumb suffering, mm-hmm. right? No, I am giving up this meal, right? Why? Because I'm trying to gain self-discipline because I'm going to take the meal that I was going to eat and I'm going to give it to the poor, right? Right. Um, make it a sacrifice, not just suffering. If I'm going to, uh, you know, what is it, uh, um, you know, pray, right? That's the, you know, one of the other things, you know, like, don't just, don't just sort of like dumbly just put in time. Well, I gotta take time. I'm on a schedule and stuff like that. No, it's sacrifice to some particular goal, right? Mm. We're, we're heading towards Jerusalem. We're heading towards, you know, um, resurrection. Like, yeah. like I gotta get my, I gotta get my mind reoriented towards, you know, towards that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also it's almost with the idea of, of the long game, like Easter, how, what am I going to do now that will allow me to to celebrate the fifty days of Easter? Bingo! 
Like what yes. am I going to tire myself so out? Like what I have to look long term. Just in general as a Christian, you think long term. Like you think, okay, where am I headed? That's that's yeah. how you live every day. But I think Lent this year for me is going to be a lot more intentional of the long game hmm. all the way to Pentecost. Yeah. Well, and especially in these first couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's important to take that view. You know, one of the uh if I can kind of change direction just a little bit, because you sure. mentioned this is a, like a great uh, kind of a, a an outgrowth from, you know, what we're talking about here with the entrance into Jerusalem. And I, and I had another one that I wanted to pick up on another theme that uh, does a similar uh, sort of, you know, uh, application as it were, something that comes out from it. Cause it was a, it was a, a quote that struck me from the book here, especially uh, because we see in both the entrance in Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple, mm-hmm. Jesus coming in and there's this sort of um, like, it's a time of change, but there's also sort of this smell of revolution mm-hmm. about oh, it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pope Benedict brings this out very sharply. I think mm-hmm. this sort of smell of revolution about it. And that's what everybody's shaken up about. Right. The Sadducees are like, no. And the Roman soldiers are all like, uh, if things go bad, we're going to, we're going to like, we're you know, we're, we're ready. We're going to take him down. Right? right. Like that's why Pontius Pilate was in town. He didn't mm-hmm. stay in Jerusalem usually, but that's why he was in town. Um, and, and of course the throwing, the cleansing of the temple, right? There's this sense of Jesus's kind of righteous anger that's being manifested here. And here he's coming in and he's being hailed as King. And so there's this, there's this sense of like, well, there's a revolution that's happening and maybe Jesus is going to bring about this, uh, uh, violent overthrowing of, um, you know, of the Romans and, and of his enemies. And, and this is how he's going to establish, uh, you know, his, his new power. Cause he's got this whole crowd of people, right? Like mm-hmm. he could start a mob, right? Mm-hmm. All of this is, is, is like sitting there in the background. And in fact, probably a lot of people were actually waiting for this to happen. They were just like, just like waiting for the spark yeah. to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but the two things that, that come out from this, you know, one, when Jesus makes his entrance, he doesn't come in on a war horse, right? He comes in on the donkey, you know, coming in as a king of peace. And then this idea that Jesus was overthrowing the temple. Again, we need to understand this. This wasn't just Jesus like losing, like this, this wasn't him like losing his cool or right, something like right. that. This was a prophetic decision, right? I am showing you through these actions what it is that needs to happen as far as the the temple and its destruction and the new temple that will be uh, rebuilt. And and so in response to this, because people have sometimes just pointed out and been like, ah, see, this is where Jesus was going to start a, a new revolution or he was, or, or, or that the zealots were On trying the steps to hope of the temple. Right. Right. Yeah, he makes his, he makes his, like it was going to be political. Right. Yeah, it was going to become this huge political thing. This is where uh, I, I really outlined this quote from Pope Benedict. Um, violence does not build up the kingdom of God, the kingdom of humanity. On the contrary, it is the favorite instrument of the Antichrist. However idealistic its religious motivations may be, it serves not humanity, but inhumanity. Hmm. And, you know, and you think about someone like Pope Benedict, and he, I mean, he grew up in World War II Germany. Yeah. That's where he grew up. He knows violence. Yeah. He, he knows, knows violence. Is. He knows that it's the tool of, you know, um, of, as he says here, you know, he's 
the favorite tool of the Antichrist. Right. I know. He when says, he said that, I was like, Whoa. Strong language, right. yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and he says, no matter how noble or idealistic its religious motivations, because, you know, I mean, you know, the, the Holocaust, that was, that was in some ways like religiously motivated. Sure, right? sure. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, people were using the Nazis as a way of being able to say, well, this is, we're, we're doing this for God and for country, right? Um, you know, so he's, he's aware. And, and of course he's lived then through the rest of the 20th century, which sure. God help us, like, you know, was, was no picnic either. Right. Right. So he's, he's recognizing this and he's, I think has a, like, you, you can tell like it, like he, he wants to be absolutely clear. Christians mm-hmm. cannot mm-hmm. say, well, we're doing this for Jesus and then start pulling out the bombs and the bullets. Right. Right. We're doing this for King Jesus, right? Yeah. Or vi- or violence. I mean, there's bombs and bullets and there's just also being violent. I mean, he just said it, we don't do it through violence. He did not do it through right. violence. Right. Violence has a wider definition. Right. Absolutely. For sure. Sure. For sure. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, in a sense, any type of bullying, right, done in the name of God, yeah. is antithetical to the, to the whether it's over what liturgy you prefer right right it's true it is true yeah yeah right right exactly that's that's yeah that's a good point to have that violence it does include war but it includes the daily little violences that we do to people too Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good point um looking at this story and uh maybe drawing out some spiritual applications or practical implications for for our lenten uh journey uh did you guys have Anything that you wanted to say or share from this entry into Jerusalem? I like the one that you had before we started. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to go with that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any father that you wanted to or go for? You did your job. Of, of I, you know, I, kinda, I told you, you guys are doing the practical that's right, that's right. stuff. I'm well, okay. So when I was reading this and, and thinking about this from like a, a spiritual point of view, like what could we draw out? I had two questions. Um, the first one is kind of obvious, but it was like, uh, so Jesus is making some royal claims in this passage, mm-hmm. right? And he's entering into this city and people receive him in all sorts of ways. And so I think the first obvious question for us to think is like, okay, this Lent, uh, how am I receiving Jesus into my heart? Am I receiving him into my heart? Am I just doing this fasting and almsgiving for, for form's sake, you know, just to do it? Or, or am I doing it to really receive him? And then part Part B of that is like, um, when we welcome Christ, are we enthroning him as the king he is? Mm -hmm. And when we shout Hosanna, which means like, save me, right? What did Benedict say? Come to my aid. Come to my aid, right? Like, heal me, save me, rescue us. When we shout Hosanna, do we actually think that Jesus can do that? Do we actually think he can save us? Can he heal us? Um, and those are because we, we domesticate this God called oh, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think this ties in with something that we've been talking about really right kind of from the beginning of this conversation mm-hmm. where we're saying when we come to, uh, Lent, you know, are we just sort of going through the motions and it just becomes merely suffering instead right. of real sacrifice? Right. Right. And, and, and maybe to sharpen it, I really, I like the way that this goes. I like the way that this goes Mm -hmm. to sharpen this and say, like, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is saying, I'm willing to do something hard for the sake of some 
benefit that's going to come out of mm-hmm. the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. But the, here's the problem is we, 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 we're scared to start those things because mm-hmm. we'll say, well, what if it, what if it was all for nothing? Mm-hmm. What, what if I took on all of this and then it ends up being that there's no benefit from it? There's no, you know, I, I went through this whole thing to try to be able to grow spiritually, Gosh, yeah. to prepare myself to, to experience God's life in a new, fresh, powerful way going through Easter, right? Coming up and into Easter. But then there's this like doubt in the back of our mind that says, well, what if it's for nothing? What if it's for nothing? Right. Isn't what that what just if, like, isn't that just really like the question it? of religion in general? Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Like that is, that is, sorry. That's like a small question of Lent that applies to this huge question of life in general. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, is you know, so if I if I make this goal, right, and I cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, come to my aid, come to my aid, you know, yeah. I really want to see this thing changed within me. Yeah. Right? I want to see my heart changed. That's what repentance is. I want to see my heart changed, my mind changed. But maybe I'm gonna go through all of it and and then nothing. Maybe it won't change. And maybe it won't change. And and and, and I and I, you know, to be clear, like you know, we can't put God on a time frame where we sure. can say like, well, I did my 40 days of Lent. So therefore now God, <laughs> you up. owe me, yeah. right? It's not the whole 30. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, but, but you know, that, I, I mean, I guess this is a, this is in part, at least a, an act of faith of saying, if I do this thing and I cry out and I, and I trust that, you know, God was guiding me to make this decision for Lent for what I want to sacrifice for Lent and that, it's a, it's a good thing. It's what God wants me to be able to do. Maybe it's not going to turn out exactly the way that I think it will, but, but I'm going to have some faith that God is going to be able to bring some new life through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's, that's that putting enthronement, right? That's that, yeah. that's that putting God, you know, and saying, I'm going to follow your ways. I'm going to, you're the king. I'm right. going to follow your commandments. And then letting go. Like, yeah. even though I, it's like, which is so hard. <laughs> I, I, I don't have, there is no assurance. No. That says it's going <laughs> to no, turn out not. exactly the way that you want or that the sacrifice. And yet I think that there is like, or at least that's the invitation is to say, do it during these 40 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah. Give him a chance. Give it a try. Yeah. Because honestly, let's just take Dr. Pepper because that's a famous teenage thing to give up. Okay. <laughs> if oh, you oh. give up if you give up De- Dr. Pepper and you're not totally con- converted or changed <laughs> at the end of it, you know what I mean? Can we really be sh- shocked? Sure. But if we take a different if we take a different um approach this time and we're like, okay, I'm going to be real intentional about what it is that I am trying to do so that I am really prepping my heart for Easter. Yeah. And we put ourselves and we cry out to God, Osana. Um, I think there's a, at least a better shot at at something than than if we do just something just for the sake of doing it. I, agree. I think yeah. there might be a, yeah. a better shot yeah. at it. I agree. And then to hold each other accountable, because I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, yeah, I need to give something up for Lent, but like, are the people around me taking it seriously enough to be like, uh, Tom, you said you wouldn't watch Netflix this Lent. Here you are. On your fourth episode of The Office. <laughs> you know, you terrible sinner, you, whatever. I don't know. Like to have people who, who call you out on this. Encourage you. Yeah. 
Right. I like people to well, it's like, shame me. To shame you. <laughs> it's like having a workout buddy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? for it's sure. Like, it's like there's the goal. Like 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 we're working towards it. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, let's go together. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. All right. Well, very good. Thank you uh, mm-hmm. for walking us through this first uh, first part of our Lenten podcast journey. Thank you, Elisa, for being here and being Absolutely. awesome. Same. Uh, And thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Being Church Podcast. And don't forget to tune in next week, every Friday of Lent, um, except not on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we'll stop. Uh, We're going to be going through parts of this story leading up to Christ's passion. So we hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. And we will see you. We'll talk to you next week. And go be church. All right. Bye. Bye.